Hello, this is a special edition of Sana Sana Radio. Um, we got some important topics to talk about today um, regarding missing and murdered indigenous women and a proposed um, extractive project. And uh, so I'm going to let my my people introduce themselves. I'm Gary McKinney, um, tribal descendant of the Fort McDermott Paiute Shoshone people, um, enrolled member of the Duck Valley Indian Reservation. Uh, Spokes, a spokesperson for Atzapu Daka Wanua, the people of Red Mountain. Hello, everybody. How, uh, uh, my name is Darren Dehinke. I am from the Fort McDermott Paiute Shoshone tribe, um, and I am also part of the people of Red Mountain, or as we call us, ourselves, Atzapu Daka Wanua. And I am very thankful to be here to open this space up to talk about. Um, these issues that we're having in our indigenous communities, as well as that space to talk about um, the extractivism of the proposed sacrifice that we might. Hi, everybody. I'm Olivia. I'm the Progressive Leadership Alliance of Nevada's Environmental Justice Program Manager. Um, and I'm here to kind of shed some light on what a um, what other organizations can do and what people can do to help um, support the people who are native to this land and prevent continued violence against indigenous communities. And my name is uh, Beverly Harry. Um, I work as a native community organizer for Progressive Leadership Alliance of Nevada, and I'll go ahead and hand it off to Erica. Hi, y'all. Sorry, my computer froze and shut down on me and everything, so I missed the question. Oh, we're introducing ourselves. Erica, you go ahead. Oh, sorry about that. Hey, y'all, uh, Erica, she, they pronouns. I'm the organizing director here with PLAN, the Progressive Leadership Alliance Nevada. And I'll pass it to Olivia. Okay, yeah, she went already. So I'm going to get into these <laughs> questions. Um, so this question is directed at uh, Duranda and Gary. Um, for the viewers to understand, what is what is the people of Red Mountain? The people of Red Mountain is a group of tribal people from or related to Fort McDermott Paiute Shoshone tribe. And we organized together because we strongly oppose the Thacker Pass lithium mine and what it's going to potentially do to our indigenous and ancestral homelands. Um, and so we use a lot of, um, you know, we have a lot of traditional values and beliefs and we try to keep that very strong and so we're following um, our, our elders and that leadership from our elder woman. And I think that's really important because um, they do have very strong voices and they are um, strong um, knowledge keepers of the language, the land, the culture, etc. Can you, can you tell me more about, so uh, Duranda, personally how you got involved and then the the role of women inside of this movement so how i got involved was maybe like a year and a few months ago um it's crazy to think about it. it's been a year but um still strong as ever still opposing the thacker pass lithium mine um i heard about the Thacker Pass Lithium Mine through um, a few news articles. And once I did that, I kind of did some research and um, started asking around our tribe, our tribal members, you know, our tribal council, what they thought of it, what their plans were. Um, and what I got was, 
you know, our past tribal government pushing for something that a lot of tribal members didn't want. So there was a lot of resistance, but not much opportunity to speak up against it. And so that's how I got involved. I, um, I really did not like where it was going. I saw a lot of problems, a lot of issues environmentally, culturally, um, you know, the list goes on and on. And so um, that's kind of where I started. And I got really, a really awesome opportunity to be a part of the people at Mountain. Um, and as I said, and I mentioned before that we have a lot of indigenous women, older women who seem to be like, the lead, have really strong leadership within the people at Mountain. And so um, since then, uh, we followed their lead and we've built other relationships with um, other tribal women who you know, want to stand up against MMIW, which is going to affect um, this stacker pass lithium mine as well as the tribal communities in this area. And so, um, yeah, they've been a really big part of it and a really big like leading force in this movement. Okay. And once again, uh, for our listeners that are just tuning in right now, um, we're talking about the proposed lithium mine at Thacker Pass and its, and its relation to missing and murdered indigenous women. So Gary, I got a question for you because um, I, I follow you on IG, man. So how green is this technology? And, and also well, what motivated you to get involved? So it's a two part question. Okay, good questions. Um, hello, everyone. Gary McKinney. Um, so the green, this green energy transition, uh, it's about money. Let's be let's be real about it. And um, these are you know these corporations that uh, you know they're not paid to tell you the truth. They're not paid to tell you the realism, the the actual you know what I'm calling the 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 reality versus versus actuality. You know, and uh, the reality of it all, you know, this isn't green. You know, in reality, there's going to be a big hole in the ground with dirty water and contaminated water for the next, you know, who whoever knows, creator knows for how long. And uh, but actually they're saying, you know, well, these policies, these these laws and things, they actually are the ones that are making everything OK. Actually, they're, you know, who's who's uh, who's behind all that. But in reality, you know, we, we got we're facing uh, this pandemic. And, uh, you know, we, the, the thing is, you know, we still utilize the roots and the water, you know, and, and they still hunt and fish and there's springs back there and there's life, you know, water is life and, uh, we need to protect it, not, not protest it. And, um, you know, so the green, the green energy transition is, is something that, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, that like, like how they say, you know those are catchphrases and they might get you a little bit of money on the internet. It's the same for them. You know, that's, that's the reality of it all. And uh, what motivated me to, uh, to, to, you know, speak out and, and, you know, be real about this is, uh, is that, you know, growing up, you know, I never had a mom, and but my dad kept me close to, to the elders there in McDermott. And that's, you know, me, me honoring and, and, um, carrying on that tradition that's in our family to to stand up and, and protect the land in the best way that we know how. And, you know, we, we have to be good caretakers of the land and going off of that, you know, it's uh it's opened my eyes to to a lot more 
than just uh than just this stacker pass of lithium mine you know it's it's boxed in into a corner if it's stacker pass but it's actually happening all over indian country turtle island the united states america you know thanks gary so duran i got i got a question too like what does what does pihimaha look like currently and what is its significance ecologically and culturally Mm. So Pahimaha looks like right now, it's this beautiful, like, like U-shaped valley in this big McDermott caldera. Caldera is like an old volcano. Um, and so this place has been traditionally used um, through for camps and um, moving from place to place and um, really significant spot as what I'm being told by my, um, my elders. And so there's a lot of stories behind Pihimaha. And so right now, what it looks like is, um, you know, almost an untouched valley of sagebrush and um, roots and wildflowers with a bunch of animals um, inhabiting this, this place. Um, there's also this, uh, pit that has, um, where they did some drilling, um, they meaning, uh, lithium Nevada. And so it's, it's, it's beautiful. You know, they have these, um, canyons that have these, uh, natural springs that, um, have native Lahontan cutthroat trout and they have leks for the sage grouse that are endangered, um, and so it's it's quite beautiful, especially right now since it's pretty much untouched, um, and it keeps that uh, that value to it. Um, since the stories that I'm being told has um, pretty significant um, cultural importance. Thank you. How does this story of this extractive process, this proposed lithium mine, um, the resistance of it, how does this fit into the larger story of settler colonization that started in 1492? Um, yeah, I, I could touch on that a little bit. And I honestly think that, you know, the settler colonialism, um, you know, just the name of it, when you settle somewhere, you're, you're taking something, um, and it might not be yours, right? So the settler colonialism since 1492 has been taking land, taking the river, or excuse me, water from the river, um, taking minerals out of the ground. Um, we see that with mining, um, manifest destiny. And then, you know, to get to get those resources that um, settler, settler colonialism or yeah, settler colonialism, what they want, you have to remove the indigenous people off the land, off the um, their homelands. And so since then, it's been a very taking culture. Um, we live in a spot where like, you know, there's extractivism for resources, right? But who is it affecting? It's most likely affecting indigenous people. And like Gary mentioned earlier, it's been happening. It's been happening since 1492 and even before then to other indigenous communities in um, Central and South America and, you know, all over the world, if we really want to get a little bit deeper into it. And so, it, it's kind of been leading to, you know, what we call now MMIW, MMIP, missing um, people. 
And so um, that's what I'd like to say about that. But if Bev would like to um, kind of fulfill that question a little bit more, that'd be great. So this is uh, Beverly Harry. I work as the Native Community Organizer for um, PLAN. Um, this is a really interesting um, uh, group of people that are really educating in a really good way to um, bring attention to these areas of um, what is happening to the land and what is happening to the souls of people that are involved and the amount of greed that um, perpetuates in all of these um, areas, including um, the problems that we've seen um, historically with um, uh, people racing across, um, you know, Indian country in search for their own wealth and um, <clears throat> looking for resources and the federal government was looking for um, um, water resources really, really early on. And <clears throat> they were supporting um, areas of extractivism. And um, when, you know, gold was discovered um, in Dayton in 1864, and so when we see, um, you know, the amount of um, problems that came across, um, uh, you know, Western Shoshone lands um, and Northern Paiute lands and Southern Paiute lands to Washoe lands, um, it was really important to see how long um, the Native people have been part of this, um, the, this issue, it's been um, impacts after impacts. And we can't, we don't even know exactly how many people have, have become deceased as a, as a result of people um, trying to um, uh, find land for their families. And, you know, these uh, forts that were uh, created in Churchill County, um, and then also in, in McDermott, across the nation, you know, Fort Wingate to, um, you know, have the federal government and the cavalry, um, you know, ki kill people as a result of um, uh, the uh, wealth that they wanted for themselves was uh, part of the history that we began to um, unveil. And it's, it, it's really, really, um, um, it, a sad history that America has to wake up to. I'm not part of America. It's the <clears throat> idea of um, the um, uh, these different um, types of, of thinking that was brought and was accepted um, through the origin of white supremacy and access um, um, having access to to lands and, and thinking that people had entitlement. So I bring this type of awareness to, uh, you know, the issue of missing and murdered Indigenous women, uh, girls, relatives, Two-Spirit, that look at this issue of um, why we're doing this to the earth. Why do we do this to our sisters? Why do we do this to our, our mothers and grandmothers and, and daughters? And why do we bring this type of pain um, to our communities? 
And so uh, this issue is about ex extractivism. It's about exploitation. It's about um, hurting our own communities that have uh, a wealth of um, uh, knowledge um, that can can save save this planet. The native people are traditionally um, uh, set in these spaces. They have the knowledge and they have the ecological knowledge to manage the earth the right way. And it's with a simple, a, a, a very, very simple application that nobody wants to listen to. And so um, when we begin looking at these um, different areas of why, um, you know, why we're treating the land um, this way, we also have to see why um, women are being treated the same way. So we've connected um, um, the dots and we realize there is a connection to um, the exploitation of, uh, of um, gender-based violence against our sisters and, and our earth mother. And so we bring attention to, to these issues where, um, you know, in the future, we're going to be seeing um, you know, propose uh, man camps that are written in um, in these environmental impact statements, and um, certainly back in the time when they had uh, proposed the um, the EIS uh, for the Thacker Pass project uh, on page one thirty nine, they didn't um, uh, they disclosed that they were were not going to have a man camp. And now um, we're seeing that it's it, it's a, an enormous possibility that they will have one. Well, when you have these huge male-dominated um, industries coming into uh, rural uh, areas, and you could see it in in um, places where um, line three, line five. Um, there was human trafficking uh, associated with those um, those uh, um, projects. There have been um, uh, areas where women have been uh, missing. They have been been murdered, and um, we want to bring attention to to these areas that have these large um, impacts on Indigenous people. And so where Thacker Pass is located uh, on each side of Thacker Pass, it's a beautiful area. There's the Kings, uh, um, Kings River Valley on, on the west side. And then you have this large pass that almost has an alluvial skirt that goes into um, Oravada. And that area is just... Um, just beautiful, but there had also been some some massacres in that area, um, and I hope that um, uh, Duranda will be able to talk about that massacre because it goes to the um, fact that um, her ancestors were um, were buried and um, killed in the in those fields of, of sage where the, where the lecks of um, sage grouse uh, knew what had happened. And, um, 
and the mule deer darted in a, in a different place so they could avoid that, that type of violence. So we, she knows those stories and it's really important that um, we see um, how, you know, these uh, places that are uh, a short distance away from Thacker Pass could be the um, epicenter of um, more violence brought against women and her um, sisters from from uh, the McDermott tribe, her, her mothers, her aunties, um, those are the, uh, um, the women that are gonna be targeted. And it's a really important place to begin because when they say 600 jobs are coming to this area and they're pushing, uh, the tribes to 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 think that hey we're gonna we're gonna give you um, you know a part of this um, they want to um, make it sound like they're really doing a whole lot for our community we're not driving around in in hybrid vehicles we're counting change at the counter and and and, and so it's important for us to acknowledge that hey our we have um, the ability to have a, a, a peaceful life, and we have the we have the right to um, enjoy, um, you know, our life and include those seven generations that we're trying to protect. We have a right to protect those uh, those um, generations. So, uh, thank you very much. Thanks. Um, I wanted to just share like. I feel like the first like man camps were those ones in like 1492 that came on ships and landed on the Caribbean. You know, we all know about like the violence that happened there, right? So like, what do these current man camps look like? This for anyone who wants to jump in and answer that question. I think um, this is Beverly again. So I think um, the one that is being proposed with the Thacker Pass, um, uh project will have at least um 24 um rv spaces and they said it you know it doesn't it, it's it's not a man camp it's just an rv park but we talk uh about you know this appearance of <clears throat> what they want don't want us to see and when you talk about, Greg Dale had mentioned this uh, the other day, and he said, um, man, man camp-esque. Um, so when you have that ask, it relates to or appears to be something that you um, um, it, know is related to, to a man camp. And so what they're uh, proposing is they'll have a VIP um, um, slot for uh, their senior, whoever. And it's just like, this is just crazy. Um, but most of the time um, uh, in areas like in, in Tonopah, uh, it's almost like track housing. It's like double wide uh, trailers. So they could propose it as being like a RV and then end up putting um, double wide trailers in there with three different compartments. We don't know what it's gonna look like. So they make it look like it's not gonna be as bad. It's just like Walmart coming in and saying, hey, we're gonna put your, your community to work. And now you're checking out your own, own, own self um, uh, through the scanner. 
So as far so, so as far as like this like the mining industry, um, I remember one time we were driving up there, Beverly, and you were pointing out a town, and uh, you pointed out like what it looked like and what the economy was post uh, mining boom. Uh, would you would you want would you be down to share that that story just so that people can have context because I feel like a lot of listeners um, have a, a positive view of mining as a long term scenario that's going to be that's going to work for people. But what what does it look like in those communities after after the boom's over? And also Durand, if you want to jump in too, because I know that there's that other mine that got shut down and there's all sorts of stuff over there too. So yeah, yeah. the um, the reality of those mines that are shutting down, it's like, you know, um, Goldfield and Tanapah and um, Hawthorne and Virginia City and um, you know, go go throughout Nevada and you'll you'll find a mine. Um, but it's it, it's something that um, the state of Nevada is open to because they've been captured by the industry. They don't know how to say no, and the, they're working to extract as much uh, wealth off of the um, the lands as uh, as possible. But in this particular area, when um, I was doing work uh, along the rural areas of Nevada. Um, I was working with the um, uh, Food Bank of Northern Nevada doing civic engagement. And there was a, um, a group that I had uh, been working with to try and get uh, more voter registrations in MLA, Nevada. There had been um, a closed mine um, that was just uh you know a short distance away and that that one had been outfitted by um you know an international company and uh, they say they said said it was going to start working working again and i said so um i asked one of the uh, ladies who was filling out her uh, harvest application. I said, so what is the economy here? And, and she turned around and she uh, said, it's, uh, it's poverty. And, um, and I, I, I really um, grew sad about that. I grew sad. And um, I remember having the conversation with um, Bob Fulkerson and Stacey Shin about these, um, these communities that are being impacted by, uh, and they're white communities that are being impacted by the mining industry that has, uh, you know, it's either feast or famine. And at the time when I visited, it was it was famine that I was seeing. And um, you know, I don't want want native um, uh, um, people to work in the mines, and I I, I really am working to. Um, foster, you know, more recruitment for uh, Native uh, uh, students, and we're working on that plan, is working on that, and um, so, you know, if there's people that want to um, support the work that we do, you know, um, make sure you look it up, you know, contact our executive director, because we are doing really, really good work to um, safeguard um, our native community, but the work that native people are doing are are advocating for the lives of uh, non-native people 
uh, and uh, you have to understand that it's the Native people that are, are, are trying to save the planet. Doranda, what did you find when, I saw a video um, on Instagram, what'd you find when you went to that mine? Was that the Corridero mine? I don't know if I said that right. But what'd you find there in those bags and those signage and like, let's paint the picture for the, for the listeners. And, uh, mm-hmm. and once again, we're, we're talking about um, the proposed lithium mine at Thacker Pass uh, for all the listeners that are tuning in right now um, and its connections and relations to MMIW. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mines um, have affected indigenous people all over. And especially there is one mine that has affected the McDermott, Fort McDermott community pretty hard. Um, and that is the McDermott Mercury Mine or the Cordero Mine. And um, so I took some friends out to see that mine just to show them, like, this is what Nevada calls a reclamation project, right, for mines. And, you know, trying to um, connect that back to Thacker Pass and what they say in the environmental impact statement of how they're going to reclaim it. And so in McDermott, maybe about five, six miles out is this old mercury mine. You know, the 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 drilling still there, the big scars in the earth is still there, um, as well as, you know, some infrastructures. And in one of those buildings I showed them were like hundreds to thousands of um, mercury soil samples from that mine that are still there, that are probably still affecting our water, affecting the people. And with that mercury mine, there's been a lot of, you know, contamination with the water, um, the dirt itself. It was once um, sold out to um, the community of McDermott, the school, the tribe, and they moved that dirt to the uh, to certain roads of this area. And it had mercury in it, right, which now um, we see the long term effects of um which is of a lot, a lot of our old men, our elder men, um, our grandpas, great grandpas who have worked at that mine and many of them have died or have cancer. And the percentage that are probably still alive, I want to say maybe 2%, right? The cancer was really high in that age. And so right now what we see is a big loss of, our um, our elder men population. And there's a lot, a lot of grandmas, a lot of elder women without their husbands. And so mining has been affecting us um, till this day. And so when they propose the Thacker Pass lithium mine, it's pretty intense. Um, and, you know, they're still exploring, they're putting exploration areas in, they say the mine's gonna last 46 years. But we know that's not going to be the truth, right? Especially with the push for uh, the transition to clean energy. Um, And so I think that's going to be a lot longer than they expect. And, you know, like Beverly said, you know, these corporations, um, that environmental impact statement, they try to make it sound pretty good. You know, they put themselves in a really good light. Um, They they tell the half truth, right? They don't tell us like the, the really harsh, you know, bad parts of what's actually, you know, happening. They put it in a very good light. And so, you know, some, those are the things that um, we're 
still being affected by. Yeah, it kind of makes it really hard to um, to hear when they speak to try to hear it in a in a light that sounds um, believable. When there's like only a few miles away, you see what they call reclamation, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 um, I remember because I, I got to go there one time too. And uh, what did that what did that soil look like? You know, like there's these piles of soil. You know, it 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 looked it looked innocent because you you can't tell what's inside of it. You know, but once you test that and you see that it's got these heavy metals and and what that does to a person, that's when it's really sinister. And I think like that's what's uh that's what's so like diabolical about this whole situation is that it has this mask of like being safe, of of being forward thinking, you know, and I think a lot of people, um a lot of people want to do the right thing. So people are like, Yeah, I want to transition to this green energy, you know, so then that I could do the right thing. But I think that's why it's important to have these conversations so that people can understand because I think if people have the information, they'll be more equipped to make better decisions. Um what do you what do you have to say about a, a Tesla, Gary? About Tesla? Yeah, Tesla car. Are you gonna are you gonna be buying one real soon or <laughs> no, I could probably I could probably barely charge it up to thirty percent. You know. Yep, the the I believe what my sisters are talking about and you know, I support what they're talking about and you know it's it's just the fact of how, how things are in this society, you know, like how I said before, they're not paid to tell you the bad the bad parts and the risks and the dangers and the hazards to it. They just leave all that behind and we have to live next to it. We have to be there next to it. And, you know, it, it's not, it's not right, you know, to sacrifice, uh, you know, one, one, one people's well-being for the advancement of colonialism and capitalism and extractivism those are the things that are really bringing this land down and really causing the crisis in the climate you know but you reverse it climate crisis and how do we fix it they say yeah we've got to make the transition from the the fossil fuels which are the dinosaur dna and they they take that through the mining refining process and create yet another another form of energy and you know for those who aren't really familiar with these laws and things you know we mentioned the 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 date 1492 you know that's that's when you you know the the colonialism started in 1872 that's when the the um the extractivism started so right now we have to be prepared for the the capitalism to start and that's what this is this is uh you know a big money scheme you know and there's there's a lot of gears to it the man camps the the dirty mining the reclamation process and those are the things that a lot of people can relate to and not a lot of a lot of uh, people can relate to the cultural aspect. And so we have to really protect that and, you know, being being brought up in those, those ways, and uh, you know, by, by my father. And he was taught, you know, on, on and on. And, you know, I wasn't fortunate enough to have um, to 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 be raised with the mother. Um, but now I understand what what Mother Earth is. You know, the, the, she's got a. She's got ways to fix herself and she's, you know, we can't just continue to harm and, ex- and, and extract these things from her and expect to be okay. You know, what, what if we left everything alone? What if we didn't mind? What if we, 
you know, like, like this pandemic, when everybody got put, put inside their homes and said, you know, you got to stay there, you know, that everything got greener, everything got prettier, everything in the cloud, the, the sky cleared up, you know, every, you know, the animals came out and, you know, that right there is beautiful. That right there is life over lithium. Now we bring this, this in life over lithium, you know, water is life. And, um, you know, I'm just going to say, you know, just, just, just being a, being a smarty right now, you know, um, when, when, when we go up to the moon, right. And we, we, we find a little droplet of water or something. What's the first question that everybody asks? Oh, there must be life up there. And so you take that, you know, down here on earth, coming down to earth again, you know, we walk out to the desert, you get thirsty. What's the first thing you ask for? What's the first thing you want? Or, you know, you're not going to be looking in your pockets. Oh, I, I need dollar fifty cents in, in some change and you know I'm gonna go to the store real quick, turn around and, and go get a bottle of water. No. If you know where to look, if you know where to go, if you know how to live with the land in harmony, you know, you you're not gonna starve. You're not gonna go thirsty. And that's that's right that right there is is uh the down to earth way being a human being and um you know being caring for for this mother that we we have the you know we're blessed to be here. We're blessed to have this breath of life. We're blessed to have that water. We're blessed to have this life here. So what can we do to leave it in a good way for our, our young ones, our, our children and their children and then their children? And, you know, those are the things that our, our elders have taught us. And those are the th some of the things that our ancestors have taught our elders. And so it's a balance. It's a, it's a, a, a sacred hoop, you know, and that's, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of me starting to ramble a little bit, but, um, you know, that's, that's just, that's just how it is. You know, a lot of people were, are blindsided, you know, by, by the green energy transition, but, you know, standing up and being straight, straightforward with it, got the ground beneath our feet, you know, as people, we have, we have choices and, you know, everybody do what you want, but make sure you do one good thing a day. And, you know, make sure you look after somebody, make sure you look after the mother earth, you know, say your prayers, do your offerings and drink, drink the water, intake that water, you know, it, it's good for you. It'll, it'll keep you well. And those are the, the smaller things, you know, the little things in life that matter, the little things that you're going to, that you're going to miss when you don't have it, you know, is, is the little droplets of water, you know, when, when you're thirsty, you know. Those are the things that we need. Those are the things that our life depends on. Our souls and our spirits, our minds, you know, we, we depend on that little bit of water. And it goes a long way. So let's not take that away. Let's not be okay with this green energy transition. And let's not believe everything that they tell us. Let's stop for a minute. Let's think. Let's let's think this through. And let's let's come up with a better solution. But I don't I personally don't believe that extracting and taking and taking is the, the best way that we can come out on top. That right there is a crisis when you take, 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 take and you give nothing back. I think it's crisis. I think what you're saying is like really clear and it's really simple, too, as well. You know, and I think that's important. I think um, it may seem outside of the box because people don't speak about it often enough. You know, but like it's it's literally very clear, very simple for people to understand the way that you're saying it. You know, and I think like this um this extraction, you know, um like the the pinning of the story is uh like very um it's powerful and and whoever this gets to tell the story gets to have the power. You know, and I see like a lot like with this uh 
with painting it as green energy. It makes it seem like the earth wants it, you know? And then so, um, so I wanted to ask Duranda, like what, like, how do you frame that with uh, MMIW going into this, uh, this like storytelling, this extractive process, like all, like all of these things coming together? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I, I kind of, my head's kind of going two ways on that. Um, and if it's okay, I would like to just push uh, a little bit more of what Gary was saying about like, you know, the Tesla. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty convenient that, you know, Tesla, there's a huge gigafactory right outside of Reno, Nevada, and it'd be about three hours to Thacker Pass. And so that lithium would be, you know, getting probably processed right outside of, of Reno. And, you know, all over the state of Nevada, we see these huge solar farms everywhere. And like you're saying, you know, it's this big push for clean energy and making it seem like that this is what the earth wants. But in reality, this is going to be the next, um, you know, climate crisis, right? Um, I don't think lithium is like our true solution, especially the way that um, these big corporations are putting it. I don't know if you guys noticed, but I sure has noticed like the real big push for these EV cars in the past, you know, month or so, especially since after the war, the gas prices went up, you know, they're at $6 a gallon. And I saw a lot of things on social media, a lot of big pushes on advertisements of these EV cars, right? And especially with, um, you know, Biden right after that, you know, pushing for, you know, um, the Defense Protection Act of, you know, uh, pushing for, you know, these transition to this clean energy. You know, I saw politicians all over Twitter saying, yes, good job, Syslack, for adding on to, you know, the push for clean energy when um, they had hashtags of clean air, clean air Nevada. Um, I don't know if they actually really know what's going on because in this in this um, mine, they're going to be burning sulfuric acid. Sulfuric acid is not healthy for humans to to breathe for, you know, the, um, for, our, for our environment as a whole. And so I think it was, it was really, really off-putting. Um, and so, you know, where that moves us into like, you know, pushing for this clean energy and how it affects our indigenous people. Again, if we look back down in South America on um, where um, those lithium um, mines are now and how that affects those indigenous people, they've been saying this for years and years that it's been affecting them. And so we need to be looking at what's what's happening down there, use it as a, as a, a learning lesson, you know, when you push for these huge, um, you know, productions of lithium products of EV cars, it's hurting us more than it's going to help us. Right. And so, um, you know, it's, it's going to do the same thing up here at the Thacker Pass at the mine, as well as, um, you know, the drilling in the Wallapai Nation down in Arizona, it's going to be affecting these small communities. Um, and, you know, it's that 35% of extractivism is near reservations um, and ancestral homelands. And what do we see with that problem? We see the the issue of missing and murdered indigenous women, girls, um, two-spirit and people. And so, to me, that's a huge correlation, right? You know, we, like Beverly said earlier, with 
the pipelines, um, as, you know, Standing Rock, Line 3, Line 5, they've already seen that happening. They are experiencing that now. It is, there's a very, very clear line of um, the connection between extractivism and MMIW. And so um, I'm hoping that, you know, this big push with these, you know, advertisements and these corporations that people can like truly see um, the lies behind it. And I'm hoping that, you know, with these, t- these talks that we're having now with MIW, like um, it's, you know, continuously going to be in the conversation because, you know, we finally were able to be like, wow, let's, let's talk about, um, let's talk about this issue. And with talking about this issue, we start to, you know, move forward and bring those steps forward. I'm like, okay, now how do we address this problem? How do we find possible solutions? And with that comes healing, not only um, in these talks right here, right now, but also in um, our indigenous communities who are the ones being affected. So what, what are the steps moving forward to combat this proposed project? I think this uh, this one's for you, Olivia. First and foremost, non-Indigenous people need to listen to the voices of Indigenous people. That's been something that's been missing throughout this whole situation is that people are not listening to what Indigenous communities are saying. Um, decision makers can't continue to make decisions that impact Indigenous communities without first seeking their input and then listening to it. Um, so I personally, in my capacity as uh, the Progressive Leadership Alliance of Nevada's Environmental Justice Program Manager created a petition that um, that's going to be distributed that demands that decision makers ban these man camps going forward to prevent continued violence against Indigenous communities and prevent the kind of invasions that we're seeing on Indigenous land. Um, so for individuals looking to get involved, you can contact your elected decision makers. You can contact officials at the Bureau of Land Management who um, are often responsible for overseeing the leasing of the land to these mining companies. Uh, you can contact the mining companies themselves to tell them that you adamantly oppose these man camps and mining projects. Uh, and oftentimes the Environmental Protection Agency issues water permits or other permitting uh, things for projects like this. Um, so there are just a lot of agencies and corporations and decision makers that are involved in these projects, um, which, you know, it, it could make it sound like it's hard to organize against, but I like to look at it as like there are several ways to drive a wedge in the project because there are so many different moving parts and so many agencies that are involved. So truly like doing anything you can, like signing the petition that I'm creating or contacting your decision makers to try and slow down any of the permitting that's going on. Um, or any of the other falls that need to get rolling, if you can just slow that down would be huge because it just takes putting one part on hold for the whole project to come crumbling down, which is ultimately what uh, we're hoping for. Um, And further um, looking to the future, uh, we're hoping, so the, the general mining law of 1872 was passed with the intention to further colonialism and promote white westward expansion into indigenous land. And we're still obviously seeing those impacts today, like people have talked about. Um, And that law still stands, like that's still 
the mining law that we operate under. So another thing that we at Plan and other organizations are looking forward to the future for is repealing that law um, and passing a new one in its place with indigenous communities in mind. That's good. Um, I had like one more, one more question, Beverly. Um, so Autumn made a video a few years ago of uh, what a mine looks like. And it's like really, it's like really simple. Um, the after effects and all that. Can, could you explain a little bit what happens in there? Just so that like viewers can kind of understand like the, um, like the legacy of how long these things affect people for. Um, for that short term, like cash, you know, I think, uh, I think it was about, uh, animation of, a um, open pit mine. Right. And, um, there was both, um, <clears throat> Sarah, um, Pesquale, um, Autumn that were working on this, um, animation and they were looking at the um uh ways uh, like the the ways a, a, a technique was designed to um uh look at some of the impacts the um mining industry was having dealing with um how to um keep water from um, coming back into to areas that they didn't want and then trying to um, uh, create some some avenues where uh, they could try and um, uh, cause um, like overflows to other areas when they saw that some contamination was going to happen when um, mines were um, you know, hitting the water table and uh, the different processes that um, leaching leaching has um, uh, within um, mining. So all of these uh, processes that have been been developed, there were um, uh, there were these uh, different scenarios that were drawn out, and it led to uh, led us to believe that the mining industry didn't really understand how um, to take care of these contaminations in the long run. So even with the microscopic um, ways that they um, have um, tried to extract um, gold, those uh, particular um, uh, problems um, are, are different in the way that they were mining gold back in uh, 1864 when these veins ran, ran through, um, you know, uh, Virginia City and they could follow those veins for, you know, miles and miles into the ground. Now they're just looking at these microscopic um, uh, pieces of gold um, and that's why this extractivism is just so ugly and it's so bad. They've never developed a, um, a good way to extract gold. And it's really, really dirty. And it's accepted by the federal government. It's accepted by the state. And I think uh, now there's probably over a million mining claims here in Nevada 
But um, I think if there's anybody that is uh, interested in watching the animation that you talked about, um, we can, um, you know, see if we can put it on the website of, of Plan and then share it in that way because I, I do not do, uh, you know, <clears throat> um, you know, I, 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 I wish I could perfectly state exactly how they drew everything out and put all of the dots where they needed to. It was just fascinating. Yeah, I just remember there was like these piles of old sediment after they dug it up, chilling on the side. And then the rain would come and run down everything that's run into that sediment down into the underground aquifers because the mining would dig under the aquifer and uh, and it would just continue. You know, that's that's what I remember, but I think the video definitely explained it better. Um, yeah, some of these uh, pit leaks that are associated with these mines, they, like with the anaconda mine, I think that one goes about uh, 600 feet deep. And so like Pyramid Lake is about 350 feet deep. Um, Lake Tahoe is 1,500 feet deep, like five times as deep as um, Pyramid Lake. So you can imagine how far they're going into these uh, groundwater resources to um you know, extract, and they don't know, uh, you know, they don't know their, um, uh, the, you know, they don't have a connection to these lands. And that's probably the most bothersome um, issue, like, they're just here to extract, and then they leave. So they don't have a commitment, they don't, they're not raising their kids here. They're not fishing in the, um, uh, areas that held bountiful um, um, populations of um, of a fishery, you know, that was related back to you know the um, Lahontan, um, you know, the Lahontan um, inland sea that was once here, and it's really really important that. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how to teach uh, non-Native people to connect with the land. and But I think they have to begin speaking up because it's, uh, um, you know, they're part of this earth as well. They're breathing the same air we are. Um, and then they're drinking the same water. So how, how, how do you make sense of it? Um, so if you're not working in your background, if you're not looking at the Truckee River and looking at the amount of uh, filth that is uh, associated with uh, the water pollution and you're not looking at this development that's happening across um, you know the areas that could impact um, you know these uh, areas that we need to take care of these are indigenous lands and I, I, I freely say that because I know that um, you know native people planted their their marks on, on these lands and there were territorial um, uh, maps that were, were placed on there. And so um, I totally understand exactly how um, many impacts have been caused to people coming across the, these lands thinking that they were entitled to it. And that's the root of, of um, this extractive history with Nevada. Thanks, Beverly. And so um, I think we're going to wrap it up there because we're about running uh, running out of time. And so does anybody want to uh, give any pages to follow social media or any anything that we should um, that the listeners should look out for to continue following the story? 
Yeah, I would like to shout out um, people of Red Mountain on Instagram, as well as Gary McKinney on Instagram. Um, And there are a few events I would like to just touch on. Um, We do have a gathering at Behemoth at the end of this month of April 30th and um, May 1st. Um, So that weekend, we are going to just um, gather together, um, be on the land, and um, hear some updates on what's going on with the Thacker Pass lithium mine, as well as what's going on in the lawsuit. We would also maybe like to touch on things um, about MMIW, as well as getting people to the Red Dress Social, which is coming up in the month of May. If Beverly would like to talk about maybe the Red Dress Social and um, the details on that one. I'm sure I'll uh, quickly run through um, the Red Dress Social powwow. Um, So part of the extension of the Women's March Reno, um, we decided to bring more Native people to together. And so um, we're going to have a Missing and Murdered Indigenous Walk on May the 5th at Pyramid Lake Museum at 10 o'clock in the morning. And I, I just heard that there's a lot of people that are really, really um, interested in, in coming out and supporting. So if you can come out, um, you know, we hope that you can be at the museum about 9.30 in the morning. And then um, <clears throat> and then the next day, um, we're gonna have the Red Dress um, Powwow. And our focus is on indigenous communities um, to bring healing um, to this trauma that we see with missing and murdered indigenous women and the um, recent homicides that, you know, have impacted our communities. There's a lot of women, there's a lot of relatives that still hurt. And we also have to um, connect people and help them understand that there is a connection to, you know, what may be coming down the pike. um, And that's um, the project with, Lithium, Nevada, um, the man camps that would be um, coming, um, and then um, the way that we need to um, uh, develop uh, awareness campaigns and prevention campaigns to make sure that our communities are are not being impacted by by the, the industry. Okay, thanks, Beverly. And uh, thanks to Randa and Olivia for coming um, and, and sharing your thoughts. And Gary as well. He had, he had to leave. But um, yeah, we're, we're wrapping it up. Thanks all the listeners that, um, that tuned in. And uh, everybody, have a good night.